0: Are you ready to go? Ficou-la? Yaakosanakamadoma, this is Sokashina, Podcast Anime with Friends. I'm Sabrina Ray, and with me is Dawn. Don, I've run out of things to say at the opening of these things. We're thirty-eight shows in now. I think I've earned the right to just sit back and coast.
1: You just call me Don.
0: Yeah, just Don. You're Don. That's all you are. That's
1: that's all I'll ever be.
0: You could try to be a trash can, but you'll never be. I remember when you dressed up as toxic goo one year.
1: Uh, yeah, that was that was by far my most inspired Halloween costume.
0: Was it inspired by like Calvin and Hobbes? It I'm was inspired sure. by
1: Calvin and Hobbes. Um, I went as a barrel of toxic waste, and it was I was had this enormous cylindrical cardboard tube, uh, which was probably the cardboard itself was a quarter inch thick. It was heavy, it was incredibly <laughs> thick cardboard. And I rigged it up so that I was walking inside this tube. Um, and it was kind of brilliant, except when we realized that we needed to walk semi-long distances because we're traipsing around a suburb. It was brutal to wander around in.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I don't know if you took it off or if you just just shouldered it and it just fought through the pain. But
1: I think I fought, fought through the pain. There wasn't a lot of, like, there wasn't much costume after you got out. But I painted it so it looked like a barrel of toxic waste and was spilling over and it said toxic waste on it. We kept it for years and we used to put like a stool in the middle of it and put it out for kids to take candy from if they would ever make the trek up our extremely long driveway, which very few would.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of uh, bodies. There's a lot of little mounds on the hill up your driveway. If any fans of the show are listening, we've talked about Don's driveway. It's I'm, epically long.
1: I'm sorry, what what are what these little mounds that you're referring to?
0: Oh, they're just the, the kids who were lost along the way.
1: Is that what they were? Because that was not apparent from your discussion of mounds.
0: These little tiny, you know, mounds in the shape of children. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. We're moving on. I was shocked because you. Did not tell me that you've been watching The Leftovers, and I have I've been I howling been. at the moon have, on Twitter to try to get people to watch it. Because everybody canceled Joss Whedon, so nobody really wanted to, like, talk about it, even though it's got, like, the best ratings for a show on HBO Max. Like, it's, it's, it's right, come out we, the gate really strong.
1: Can we establish right off the bat that, in fact, we're talking about um, The Nevers, not The Leftovers? Did uh, I say The Leftovers? You, you sure did.
0: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm getting old in my old age,
1: <laughs> so yes um we we in this household um, are watching the nevers um we are also watching um, mayor of east uh, eastwood east east town maybe east town yeah that's uh, also that very one, good but... but um backing up to um the nevers uh nevers don't want I, your sloppy seconds i no I'm curious uh, s- so we. Well, you're making it sound of... great. You're making it sound so good. Well, we don't need to get into the plot line here. I'm sorry. You know, you... I'll just you give them the
0: podcast. elevator pitch. I'll give them the elevator pitch. Yeah, yeah, it's I, basically, well, I want you to. It's Go basically um, sort of like Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. It's got that kind of old-timey Victorian aesthetic, the steampunk thing a little bit. There's a There's a girl named Penance. There's like two main characters, basically. There's Penance Adair and uh amalia true which are just great names and um penance is sort of like the god loving like uh sweet is she irish or scottish i can't remember
1: she's definitely one of the one of those english speaking accent accented yeah uh, she, speakers
0: but she you know she she dresses sort of more like a peasant like an irish peasant than she does any kind of like fancy to do and uh, she is uneducated but when she gets these magic powers these x-men like powers from this meteor or whatever it is um, as many people do maybe she became touched and she can uh, she can talk to electricity she can see it she can control it she makes all of these sort of steampunky gizmos then there's Amalia and she can see little glimpses of the future and they're dealing with like They're dealing with, like, being a woman in those times because they've got this, like, halfway home for, like, Uh, abused specials. Because there's no guys in the
1: halfway home. No, there aren't... uh, Yeah, not in the halfway home, although there are... There are specials
0: touched who are the guys, but it it basically is, like, Victorian (laughs) X-Men.
1: But I would also say that...
0: um, There's even a Hellfire Club, basically.
1: (laughs) I do feel like there's a bit of... So like, it's not representative being a woman in Victoria times because there's plenty of situations in which women would have been barred from entering certain buildings. Or, oh, I get it. You know, I get
0: it. I'm just saying that, like, yeah. definitely being a woman butts up against.
1: Yes, it has some certain themes, but also there's there's a lot of girl power in this. And, for example, you mentioned Amalia, whose ability to see in the future is one of her skills, but also seems to be physically augmented in, in many ways because she's quite... Um, oh yeah the,
0: the the action directing is very exciting and there's one fight in i think it's the fourth episode where i don't want to ruin it but amalia fights a special or a touched and the fight is deliriously interesting like it's like it's a little disorienting because it takes place above and below the water without giving it away
1: did you see this I, I yes i am caught up on the series okay you're caught i up. did see it I, i'm not quite as in i i did like the fight scene but i'm not as rapturous of it as you are
0: oh my god what what impresses you
1: <laughs> lots of things impress me but I, I just love the writing of that
0: show too it's just it's so much fun to watch it's so much fun to listen to it's like an actor's show is how i put it on twitter
1: it is a good show it's an excellent show um the one thing that you and I were corresponding over Twitter about is it really does feel like we missed an episode in between. Um,
0: oh, what are we on the yeah. fifth right
1: now? Between four and five.
0: Yeah, it was a little jarring, a little jarring. Um, I, I was I was on board with it. Like I, I got everything that I needed to get but it felt like they just cut an episode out of the episode run cuz so they were just like oh well we it, it sort of corresponded at the same time as they were dealing with the covid vaccine, the covid um, pandemic it was really hitting their production hard and they had to take 6 months off and so the distance between 4 and 5 production wise was 6 months It was 6 months of time in between i, I,
1: I can accept that what i can't accept is um, sort of glaring pl- that the reason that i say there's things in like oh no i agree we missed for example they refer to the galanthi as if everybody knows what's what that is and what we're referring alert. to uh yeah but i well it can't be much of a spoiler because i still don't know what it is or, or what we're referring to and there's some digging and they find something underground and that seems to have been activated and i don't know when it was activated and it, i feel like that itself would have been
0: there was the bits subject of some it. discussion and I remember when she was translating the song, or no, Amalia was talking about the galan, and she didn't finish the sentence at one point. That was in a previous episode. But I mean, I don't rewatch the show at this moment. So I, I'm just going off of what I can remember. But anyway, it has a great villain too. Um, like, I mean, there's multiple villains and like, but the, the villain I'm referring to is called Malady and uh, the performance is nuts. She's just, she's scary and crazy, but it's like in a fresh, interesting way to me. Like uh, she really goes for it. Um, and she's just, her mouth is just full of vomit. <laughs> it's, it's just a great, it's a great, like, it's not scenery chewing exactly, but it it's, it's attention grabbing for sure. If there's anything else you want to say about the Nevers, oh, speak now or never.
1: <laughs> Jeez. No, I, 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 it's a wonderful little piece of media out there that I think people would enjoy.
0: If people are worried about Joss Whedon's involvement, he's only involved in the first six episodes of this, the first season. Uh, it's going to be split up into two parts. Someone else is taking over as showrunner afterward, but they're keeping some of the same people that made the Nevers what it is. Aside from Joss Whedon, you know, at at some point you have to say, yes, he puts his stamp on things, but no, uh, a showrunner is not the end all be all of a production. Like there's other names (laughs) on that crew list that equally uh, help shape a show that you like. Like Angel wasn't really just Joss Whedon's show all the time. He directed a few episodes. He wrote a few episodes, but a lot of the time it was Jane S. Benson's show. And a lot of times it was, you know, there there was a lot of um, other producers listed on that list, uh, including the guy that that went on to do Cabin in the Woods, uh, Drew Goddard. So, you know, uh, get with it. Get on that show. Really good. Anyway, um, I watched a movie called Willie's Wonderland.
1: Why would you have done that?
0: uh my my daughter's really into friday nights at freddy's and so i started reading the lore and then that led me to the fact that there's multiple like knockoffs of friday, friday nights at freddy's that game that like you're like a security guard at night and you're looking at all these uh, security monitors and like seeing you're like, looking uh, at these animatronic puppets yeah she's loving it right now she talks about it nonstop. it's kind of creepy uh, not creepy. The story isn't creepy for me because I'm so seasoned in all this. But the the fact that my ten year old daughter, or nine year old right now, but soon to be ten year old daughter, is talking incessantly about these child murders and things. <laughs> it's like, well, the, the the apple didn't fall far from the tree, but also maybe let's save this for when you're thirteen or fourteen. <laughs> Um, but I started watching Willy's Wonderland and it's got a performance by Nick Cage, which is just wild. He has no lines of dialogue. Nicholas Cage, no lines of dialogue. He plays quote unquote, the janitor. He just basically punches these things to death. Uh, He's almost invincible. (laughs) It's not a joy to like watch him fight them, but somehow this character is magnetic he's got all these weird idiosyncrasies like almost like that character he played from kiss of death just like had these random like quirks that were sort of like like a lot of movies at the time were taking inspiration from pulp fiction and like they had like these i remember he played this gangster and he was just pressing like his girlfriend or random women he's bench pressing them and like I don't know, and he would like kiss them as they came down or something like that. I don't know. Is that the kiss of death? I
1: don't know. This so uh, Willie's Wonderland. Willie's you know, Wonderland. It
0: has original I, songs too, which is this just, is it's a, nice.
1: This is an interesting segue to another Sundance movie I watched, which is Prisoners of the Ghostland, and I cannot recommend that to our listeners because it was absolutely bonkers. It was supposed to be a, I, well, I don't know what the original vision was. It was like a, a, like a Sergio Leone mashup Western with Apocalypse Now, not Apocalypse Now, that's too. Um, Apocalypse but, Then. No, apoco- you know, post-Apocalypse Later world um,
0: with no, this I'm weird sorry. sort
1: of show. It's just a really bizarre movie. And it doesn't work. It doesn't hang together properly. Meaning that I don't... You mean the disparate elements
0: aren't like properly threaded into a cohesive like whole or...
1: I, I wish I could say that there was a narrative to follow. But I don't feel like it's... It's like Mad Max had a narrative and it more or less stuck to that narrative. But I don't think that the narrative was crucial to the success of Mad Max as a piece of film. And why don't I um, why don't I refer to Mad Max Fury Road, which, in fact, was nominated for all sorts of awards and is, in fact, an amazing piece of cinematography. But its success, I don't really think has a lot to do with the plot. Right. Right. So I don't feel like the I don't feel like Prisoners of the Ghost Land was trying to make its chops on, by virtue of the plot that it uh, sets out to describe. I, I, I <laughs> that, That's not it, that was somewhat formulaic. Um, And it was in the style of a Sergio Leone kind of movie. uh, I think this is a good
0: segue though, because I think that there's a lot of people that were disappointed in the direction that Wonder Egg Priority goes. And we're going to be talking about episode 10, which we're not quite to the craziness yet, but we'll be getting there by the end of the episode. And uh, it sort of transforms these two. I guess we're only covering one episode, but episode 10 is sort of the start of what I would call the beginning of the horror, (laughs) of the horror show. (laughs) Like we've suddenly gone from uh, the story about these girls trying to find out what happened to their friends, working towards this goal of like, um, of bringing their friends back to life, to sort of this life and death danger that appears at the end of the episode and I don't want to get too into it yet, but Don, you don't want
1: to jump to the conclusion.
0: Right. Don't jump to conclusions now, unless you want to. Uh, I think that we should talk about the episode though, because it's a good one. Uh, we've been, we, we got a little bit of Momoe and, and her deal previously, but now we're getting a lot more of her. Don, what did you think about this episode?
1: So... It's called Confession. I don't know what I was expecting in this episode. It really felt like a couple of episodes jammed together. Um, The first part of this episode seems to feel more like part of Momoe's journey. Yes. Um,
0: This was a... This was a... This was a... The criticism at the time it was released, a lot of people, including Japanese people, were like... Feels a bit like they just started jamming stuff together.
1: Oh, including Japanese people, huh?
0: I mean, I was... I was following the Japanese people (laughs) as well who were watching it even before us, I I guess, during the simulcast or whatever. And, uh, it seems to be universally that there was a little bit more the back. These last couple episodes are a little bit of a mess as far as like the structure goes.
1: All right. I, I am not, um,
0: I was just backing you up, buddy. Just backing you up.
1: I, I, and I was, I was, uh, Taking the piss, as they say. Focusing on the first half of this episode, we've got Momoe. We see her going out on a date. Um, the the other girls are confronting Aka and Uraka because they realize that there's something a little more. There's something more going on there with Aka and Uraka, but then they get become all distracted when they realize uh, that. Momoi has just come back from a date. And so they they run off to do some girl talking.
0: Wait, wait, wait. We need to set this up a little better, all right? They basically accuse Aka and Ura Aka of keeping things from them. And it feels like we're about to get that huge, like, reveal, you know? Like, oh, my God, Ura Aka and Aka, actually, we're doing this or that, and, like, uh, we find out from Neidu that they are the founders of Japan Plati, the Genius Network, or whatever it is. Um, but then they just toss it aside when Naidu shows up with super flirty new hair.
1: Oh, well, no, it's not. Yeah, yeah Naidu she showed, does. you're correct. Naidu shows up thing... with the super and they're, they're immediately distracted by that.
0: And then they get um... distracted because they, they find out that Uraaka and Aka had human bodies. And that they were hunks <laughs> but now they're just brains they're, they've given up their human body and now they're just uh brains and uh and
1: shells yeah we so. don't spend a lot of time dwelling on that or the fact that no uh,
0: and that's the best joke of this episode i thought is that they just completely toss all that aside when they find out that Momoe had a date with a boy
1: yeah, they really—they really do. Um, and uh, the girls rush out of the. Gosh, where are they? They're they're know. in the
0: garden, I guess. Of the I house, guess, but
1: but I'm still struck by if we go back to the very first episode when I goes down the escalator. Um, where where what where does this escalator terminate? Why where I is can't. this?
0: I can't wait till you see episode twelve and sort of like ask yourself if any of the stuff that you've seen <laughs> equates to a real world equivalent like that. But uh, for right now, I I do not know. It is confusing. Um, we've we see Momoi go on her date and she thinks. This boy asked her out, so she girls it up completely. She girls it up. She's got the dress on, just like in her dream that she woke up from. She's got the dress on. She's done her hair. She's got a little ribbon or something in her hair. Um, and she even made a bento with the little cutesy, like, uh, like sausages cut into octopus. And, like, they're, they're like, super super cute kawaii style like bento her specialty it turns out and then it turns out that the (laughs) that the boy thought she was a boy and so he was kind of horrified and you know uh, momoi just wants to laugh at it because if she doesn't laugh she's going to be feeling even worse and Momoi deals with a lot in this episode about her identity. She sort of has those like Mulan-like moments where she's, uh, you know, um in in a previous episode, she had those Mulan-like moments where she was looking at a reflection of herself and like, uh, she's like, am I a boy? Am I a girl? And here she just kind of like is confronted with it even harder when uh, this boy turns out to, have thought she was a boy and she's like, I just wish I could be with someone I like, like I get it. Um, And then she goes and does her uh, egg of the week.
1: Well, can we, uh, the thing that I don't fully understand about this date.
0: Really? The date's unclear to you?
1: Yeah, let me ask you this question. If you think you are going on a date with somebody who's one gender and they show up dressed as a different gender than you thought they were, um, wouldn't you then, not out of rudeness, but wouldn't you consider terminating the date at that juncture as opposed to going on the whole date?
0: I don't think they went on the whole date. But
1: then what? Oh, right. Because she had... oh. She never well, ate the bento. She gave they're... it to
0: the girls afterward.
1: What did she give them?
0: Uh, the I'm sorry. She gave them the little lunch she packed. He didn't. I guess even I'm eat getting it.
1: confused with the initial dream that she had. I guess she had that dream that she was what happened on the date, and then she yeah. Guess he'd have to go on the date. It's like that, that, that sort of happen. like
0: expectations versus reality meme, right? Yes. She expected this beautiful, flirty, fun date and what she got was a cosmic joke of a sort. So is that clear now?
1: Yeah, sorry. I I was just I was conflating in my mind her dream of her date with her actual date.
0: Yeah. That's I could see how that could happen, definitely. Um so we get to meet an interesting character. The new egg girl is um is a trans man. He uh, it, it, it's hard to say what the pronouns are because in japanese kaoru, kaoru is referred to as kaoru kun often which kun is sort of like what you add to a boy's name and kaoru sounds more like a boy's name but it could be a girl's name if that makes sense but i'm going to use he because i'm going to respect the fact that kaoru told us that he is a boy on the inside. And I'm I'm going to call that a trans... I'm going to call that transgender. And I think I'm going to call it a trans man. Do you have any particular way you feel about this?
1: No, that that seems to make sense. That, that's how I understand it.
0: Kaoru is wearing the... Tra- like, this is a very on-the-nose sort of thing. But I think given how... Actual discussion and actual actual treatment of transgender people in Japanese media is probably not that far along yet. Like, of course, there are lots of characters who cross dress, who um, some of which um, it's sort of left vague whether they are quote unquote transgender, whether they are transitioning. Um, sometimes it's it's treated as a matter-of-fact sort of thing, but I don't feel like they've really looked at, like, the phenomenon of people coming out as transgender and sort of that thing. And I think that this episode does about as good a job as I expected in, um, in, in addressing that a little bit. So Kaoru has a really tragic backstory, and it's really, really hard to get into, but Kaoru sees himself as a boy. He's He is a boy, and yet he has the fizzy, physiological body of a girl. Um, and he, Kaoru grows close to uh, a, his kendo instructor, and his kendo club advisor pushes him down and rapes him and Kaoru gets pregnant from that uh, sexual assault. I don't know if you thought that maybe Kaoru got it aborted or if Kaoru took their own life or his own life when it was still...
1: Yeah, it's left vague. Um, One can either assume that Kaoru aborted the baby or that Kaoru killed himself. In either circumstance, there was no chance for the baby.
0: Yeah, and this week's wonder killer is the Kendo Club advisor. Um, But I want to talk more about actually how this story sort of fits into Momoe's story more than the gruesome details of Kaoru's story. Because if Momoe is struggling with her her identity, um, what do you think Kaoru sort of brings to this uh, to this struggle, to this um, wrestling with who she is.
1: Well, my thought was that Karu was a lesson for Momoe, effectively, which is to show that it's it's not how you may present, but how you actually feel about yourself that um, that truly defines the self, and that. It actually goes back to, I'm warped back as I often am in these discussions um, to the inward versus outward facing man that was taught by Mr. Sanborn in our high school um, history class. Uh, and I'll this have one's to look for you, Brenna. <laughs> I'll have to look this one up at, at some point. But essentially it came down to, you know, are you defined by the conditions the world imposes upon you from the outside? or are you defined by you know that which comes from within you know do you do you draw your direction uh in life and do you draw your validation from your own internal viewpoints etc um i think it's a fascinating concept but here to me that is that is what um i see uh sort of the lesson being imparted here to momoe is that she constantly feels um, that the that the world is putting her in, in a position she doesn't want to be in. It's constantly um, framing her as a man. People are seeing her as a man, and that is not who she feels she is. Um, and she's frustrated and despondent over it. And um, this wonder egg that she's rescuing shows her, that even though you know that person is a woman, or is is um, physically a woman she's saying that is not who i am on the inside who i am as a man and that is that is who i choose to be and how uh, you know the world must see me and that is very validating to momoe who needs that sort of support um and needs to take that view of the world the one challenge i have with momoe is um and i i am curious from your perspective from the japanese perspective To me, it's just to be clear, I'm not
0: Japanese.
1: (laughs) I understand that, but um, you have a better view of that than I do. Um, Because of the animation style, um, Momoe is fairly attractive. Like, not she's not presented with a bunch of curls or anything, but she appears to be very attractive. No scars, no blemishes, very um, shapely face, etc. Um, they may make her body a little anodyne, um, but to me, you know, there wouldn't be a huge amount of confusion over what Momoe's gender was. Um, but I can't tell if it's drawn in such a way that it's supposed to be somewhat confusing because I would never, um, mistake Momoe for a boy unless Momoe were trying very hard to present as a boy.
0: It's interesting because I think that for anime standards, yeah, she could be a boy uh, under the category of bishonen or pretty boy. I know, I know that that sounds so silly to say out loud, but uh, there is like a specific like c- like category of boy, and that is sort of where she slots in. Um, She has a Takurazuka vibe, which are the female performers who play both females and males on sort of a, it's a, it's a long traditional, it's a, it's a, it's a theater with a long history of tradition uh, of women playing men and playing or boys and playing them and having mostly female fans. So I think that there's some of that to her character as well. Um, I think that she's made it clear a couple times that although I sees her as fashionable or stylish, um, like a model, she is taller than the other girls, and she's also broader. And I think that broadness sort of has has sort of defined. She's when she is as you said, she is comparing herself to others, and. In doing so, she sees herself with like much broader shoulders and a much, probably a much uh, like more chiseled face than the other girls. Of course, it's anime, so they all have somewhat similar (laughs) facial features to each other. But, um, you know, uh, will she grow her hair out or do things that will make her more distinctly feminine? I don't know. Uh, It's kind of an interesting question looking forward. And we didn't really meet. uh, We met her mom at the end of this episode, I think. Is that the first time we met her mom? She made no impression. (laughs) Her mom made no impression. She's just a mom. She just looks like a good mom. Um, But did I answer your question? I don't feel like I did. But I'm trying to say that there's enough things about her that I could see when she wears boy clothes that she could sort of cloak herself as a boy. And, you know, at it's sort of that age. I, I don't know if people are actually thinking, like, I want to date and marry this person, or if they're just looking for a good time, or they're just looking to be part of, just like... Just
1: looking for a good time, you say. They're just I, looking
0: to be part of, like, a
1: story like
0: that, you know? Yeah, like
1: I I do hear you. I just...
0: Takako my my partner once put it she once, she once told me that she collects pretty people in her mind shelf <laughs> which sounds like serial killer talk but basically like she she'll look at like Liv Tyler or something in like her heyday and like she'll like take that version of femininity and that that like beauty and put it on a shelf and sort of like look upon it to become inspired or to you know to see the contrast between her and that or just to have something pretty to remember. So like I feel like some somehow like people who would be interested in Momoe who wouldn't necessarily they may even know she's a girl. Uh, they're either really comfortable with their sexuality, which seems slightly unlikely or they just want a pretty one on their shelf
1: I, I suppose I just found it a bit incongruous that Momoya was constantly being mistaken for a boy or girls were falling in love with her um, as if she was a boy and it just I, I have trouble seeing it but again we are talking about the limitations of anime and I'll have to suspend my disbelief.
0: Well, one thing I really liked, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this as well, is that when she's fighting as as Momotaro um, and kind of hiding behind a boy disguise, she gets her ass kicked, and she when she self when self actualizes, I guess when she when she comes to terms with being a woman as the woman that she is and not like someone else's idea of femininity. She declares herself a woman and suddenly she's got this surge of power.
1: I think that is more than symbolic. Yes.
0: Can you elaborate?
1: Well, I think the show is trying to say, um, by becoming confident in herself, that gains her, um, Power and abilities.
0: I I care less and less about the Wonder Killers <laughs> as the episodes go on. This one's kind of like gross looking. It looks like it has balls on its head, almost like um, Bram oh,
1: Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> I wasn't. Um, I wasn't quite sure. Um, the fencing coach, the, the weird like the sword was weird and like kind of elongated heart-shaped. And then there was the heart-shaped cage, I guess you would call it, where, um,
0: I think that was a Nirvana he... song.
1: <laughs> yeah. That was on the head. It was the carapace. I don't, I don't know what to describe of it. And that's what Momoi had to pierce in order to, maybe you can take a step She had to pierce well, she into the inner the... consciousness of, um, a villain to fully actualize herself and rescue um the
0: well she uh, cut off the nose on his face to begin with and that felt very much like a castration to me
1: yeah but didn't it like come back or he's it he may have but that that, that like, moment um, felt generally unfazed by this what for me would be a battle ending <laughs> a battle me experience like a time out I lost my nose I think I think that's it you've won
0: speaking of the well if, if it was your dick I think it's even worse no
1: I mean I guess like
0: there which would you rather question. lose your nose or your dick
1: I guess in the long run I'd be better off without a dick than a nose um because people are going to be looking at your face for the rest of your life, but you probably have your pants on the older you get, uh, the longer you live.
0: That's true. Um, I really like the battle music that played. That was one of my favorite pieces that they've done um, in a while. I, I can't remember exactly what it sounded like, but it was very like propulsive and it was, it was good. It was, it was a very good battle music. Um, Let's wrap up Momoi and then we'll go back and talk about the eye stuff, which is a completely different thing. So Momo, she protects, she, she saves the day. She destroys the wonder killer. She has basically graduated. She has, she has psychologically graduated as well as finishing, um, finishing the wonder eggs. And we find out what that looks like finally do you want to talk a little bit about like the last scene between Momo and uh, I mean, there was like that. I'm I'm just going to go back for a sec. Like there was that adorable moment when uh, Kaoru says like, I'm making a, he makes a reservation to be her boyfriend in a future timeline or Mm -hmm. in another life. Yes. And, uh, (laughs) and he kisses her and then she looks at her, uh, she looks at her turtle, was it her turtle? No, no,
1: she has no the snake. she has the alligator.
0: oh, she has the alligator right panic. Momoe has the alligator panic, and she looks at panic and she's like shh, and she just turns like the most adorable bright red uh, that might be my favorite Momoe moment in the series uh just really really acute, silly honest moment. Um, and then things get super weird.
1: They, well, yeah, so first what happens is I believe that Momoi is approaching the statue of the person she's trying to rescue.
0: But it's covered in a shower curtain that goes all curtain. the
1: way around. One of those circular shower curtains. Um, that are and is only like around in of, circuses, I think. <laughs> yeah, is it like some sort of bird on top? or I don't know. I don't um, know. And then there's a little like... Then or some other sort of music and the curtain falls and we don't see anything initially, but then the camera swings around to Momoi's point of view and we see Haruka Haruka and Haruka starts reaching for Momoi and rushes to embrace her and then passes through her as it turns to mist and and, Har- and Haruka vanishes. Yeah which then, is very weird. It, it's what's also unclear is this is supposed to happen in a dream state. And we were supposed to be rescuing Haruka. So in principle, now Haruka should be alive somewhere, right?
0: That's what I was thinking I to you. I'm yes. just going to talk about what happens in this episode without <laughs> referencing later
1: episodes, but well, I mean, I don't know, but I can tell you at least in this episode, there is no clarity there.
0: No, it's, if- my assumption at this time was that that um, the girl who was Haruka, she woke up. So she woke up into a real body in the real world somehow. Uh, but that would mean that the Akkas would have had to have, have prepared it like they are because they're mannequins. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And then things go grimdark. And I wasn't expecting this when I first watched it. And I, I warned you, but uh, Momoe gets obsessed with this. Like, she starts looking at this drip on the ceiling. And, uh, and it seems like things are going, like, something something bad is going to happen. That's the feeling that I got watching this. And we don't find out at first what happened. But later, when we're catching up with Momoe. It turns out that this character, this, this schoolgirl with this weird, deformed black head named Hyphen. Okay, I'm giving you the name because it's in the credits and I knew it in this episode. Name of the character is Hyphen. And it starts berating her in a way. It's like, you're a bad girl. I'll tell teacher on you. That girl came back to life. Frill will be mad at me if I don't do something. And she's very intimidating in a kind of cutesy, odd way.
1: Yeah, but menacing sort of a. I agree with you. She is. She's acting like a sweet schoolgirl, but her head is grossly misshapen, and she's very. Uh, she's acting in a very weird and unsettling manner
0: and at this time panic is out in his evolved full grown dream form and he tries to protect momoe by jumping at at hyphen and hyphen I, did she use a sky is that what she used a to... scythe she, oh so, scythe. Mean
1: the, the the kind of thing that you use to reap the grain a manual tool yeah but the long one like the
0: grim reaper
1: yes that's correct but it's a scythe yes and she just
0: slices she just slices the gator dead
1: well yes panic rushes to intervene so panic um senses this threat and attacks hyphen panic has previously been quite effective at um at dealing with threats but Panic is absolutely no match for hyphen. That's made abundantly clear.
0: Yes, there's no. It's one swing, and panic is dead. And Momoi is shocked. And then it gets even worse because hyphen's butterfly head opens up. She, she
1: uh, starts. I mean, that's to the point at which you actually can see that it's a butterfly until her head had sort of unfurled. It was as if it was a chrysalis or the wings were tightly wrapped around the head in some way, made it very unclear as to what it was. It was just grossly yeah. misshapen.
0: And she has no like features. She just has a mouth, which is unsettling to say the least. She starts eating uh, panic and then she takes a piece of panic and force feeds it to Momoi.
1: Yeah. That's which, really terrible
0: which almost felt to me like a, like a reverse birth like a reverse pregnancy like Momoe you know has been the mother of this creature and now she's taking her back into her body kind of thing like it's kind of crazy <laughs> and the show ends there and it is the most like it is the wildest transition to that happy summer bop theme song at the end where you're just seeing this these horrible things happen uh the Akas refer to it as Momoe tasting the fear of death getting a taste of the fear of death um and they worry that their plan is going off course because they need quote unquote the warriors of eros to go against thanatos and so that's a lot to take in but after momoy is forced to eat it the credits roll, and it's that song it's like jazz hands yeah it's it's, it's a little jarring
1: bit bizarre. <laughs>
0: um i know we can i mean there the only other scene in that that i would mention is that we yeah we did see momoy uh she was sitting with her mother and uh she starts regurgitating the the monster. I mean the uh, well, she's the pet she, she, she can.
1: I, I don't know if that's what's happening. She's throwing up because she can't handle she's having meat for dinner, and I think it it just reminds her too much of what
0: Probably. Happened. Like did it like she didn't actually eat it because it's a dream, right? But correct. That makes sense. Okay, so this episode is not just about Momoi... It is also about I. And again, it feels like this episode is constantly like, oh my gosh, it's happening. And then it totally goes in a different direction than you're suspecting. Although we did guess that maybe Mr. Sawaki was not the villain that we thought he was.
1: It's honestly, it's still, I still don't fully get it.
0: (laughs) All right, so I, I goes to talk to Mr. Sawaki, um, and he she finally asks the question. Um, well, no, I guess at first he he says he's leaving school to be an artist, and I says, "Don't you mean you're running away?" Which seems like a really harsh thing to say to somebody but he ends up inviting her to his solo exhibition which she will go to later although it seems like she's considering not going for a while and she also flat out asks him about Koito and the answer is interesting because it's not what you think not only well i should i should go back before i say that he tells her that at this exhibition there is a painting that she needs to see in the back that he thinks has will have significant special meaning for her. Uh, and we and I both assume that it's the picture of Koito that he was painting. It turns out not to be. When I eventually goes to see him, it's a picture of I as a grown-up which he says reminds him of her mother and i felt like this moment was supposed to be genuinely touching that he knows and admit and it recognizes that she that he is her first love but he's also creating a boundary there and saying i i I see. I'm, the, I see the I'm great not interested you in are, kids, and I'm boning your way. mom. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm, I'm not interested in kids. I'm only interested in adults. Although it's still creepy. There's just no way to not get around it when you've like drawn. You've said, "I'm desperately in love with your mother." Here's a picture of you looking like your mother.
0: It is. It is. And I, I did think maybe, <laughs> just maybe, we haven't gotten the whole story yet. But then she goes and asks him about Koido. She flat out asks him, like, and we don't get the answer.
1: Yep, we don't get the answer. He tells us nothing.
0: He tells us nothing. Uh, I do want to mention, though, that, like, I sent mixed messages to me because uh, she definitely dressed more adult-like, more mature when she went to see the art exhibit. She even changed the barrette in her hair.
1: Ah, uh, yes. I mean, when you start getting into the psychology of adolescents who are on the cusp of adulthood and what they do and trying to interpret it or do they mean this in a are they trying to send signals? Are they like a lot of times I just it's a cigar is just a cigar like she's dressing up to go to an art exhibit. Um, That seems like the polite thing to do. She also won't tell
0: her mom what she's doing.
1: Yeah, that's there is that. I'll give you that,
0: but, she, but uh, I guess this is meant to make us wonder, like whether I has given her mother her blessing or not, um, whether she's willing to step aside and and let her mother have this guy who she's in love with. Um, but we don't get our answers, and that's gonna be that's gonna be that's the series. Yet to come. <laughs> That's going to be the series for now. Uh, one other note, um, the crocodile being named Panic is probably based on an arcade game called uh, Ali- like, Crocodile Panic in Japan, which was quite popular. And probably she just picked the name off the machine because they are in some kind of game center uh, where they get the Wonder Eggs or where they have downtime while they're waiting to Wonder Egg. It's, I, is it in a dream or is it real i still don't know anyway yeah i mean i don't think sabaki's that talented yeah he gave he gave i the glow up but well, you know it, it wasn't that great a picture
1: no i'm not sure he should have quit his day job to become a permanent artist honestly
0: yeah i don't see that being that panning out very well I don't have much else to say about this one. I I think they handled the trans stuff well as a transgender person. I guess I'm supposed to be the authority on this stuff, but I Well, I'm really you're not. much
1: more than I am, but I would say if you're saying they handled it well, then that's probably fairly high praise because it's difficult to thread that needle, I would imagine.
0: And I would say that they before this episode, they were really skating a dangerous line with Momoy where, you know, from a trans perspective, who people might have wanted that to be her character you know, like when they presented her to us, we thought, oh, maybe this character is uh, is going to be transgender. Like a lot of people thought that's where they were going with it. And obviously they made it clear from the very beginning that that wasn't where they were going, but then it just seemed kind of whiny. Like, oh no, lots of people love me. But I think like, I think they've done a good job of examining the identity struggles that she's going through and her struggles are just as valid whether she's cis or trans um just getting to know who she is because i i mean mulan's not trans either but she often gets sort of put into those sort of uh, narratives or she gets like the character is held up as sort of um representative of of uh, the same sort of identity struggles so I sort of categorize her in the same category. Fair enough. Anyway, anything else to say about this episode? Were you shocked? I was shocked. It's, it's gross. It was gross. I think that... I threw up a that little that, that, bit that, of my mouth, I think, when...
1: Well, when... I think the worst bit was the fact that... Um, that Hyphen made Momoe eat some of... Like, uh, some of Panic stuffed it down her throat
0: yeah and that's
1: uh, horrible and rude and everything you can imagine in that front but that was the most shocking element i was not i was not tied to panic i was not set i I mean i i did not shed too many tears for panic
0: (laughs) in a short time they did endear us to these little pets which felt Uh, kind of out of the blue i I definitely i definitely feel for leon uh manen Helped Rika from
1: yeah, being okay. suicided. We can see that they have endearing qualities, and as far as we can tell, no drawbacks.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, each of them has has had an episode where they sort of helped out the girls to either protect them or help them grow. Pinky was there for the koi for the uh, what is the name of that character Kotobuki. Pinky was there for the kotobuki stuff, Neidu's um, snake. Uh, they are very endearing, and uh, it is hard to watch them get brutalized like that, and then hard to watch the. It was more hard to watch the girls react to it, or the girl in this case. Spoiler.
1: Yeah, you're not uh, <laughs> not doing our audience any favors.
0: No. no. Thank you guys for listening. If you want to reach out to us, you can get to us on Twitter at Okashina Podcast. O-K-A-S-H-A-S-H-I-N-A. <laughs> let me do that again. O k a s h i, O k a s h i n a Podcast. Um, and let us know what you thought of the show, what you thought of uh, Wonder Egg Priority, whether you were shocked, whether you uh, tossed your cookies. You know, give us the gruesome details. Anyway. Don, as we always say at the end of the show Koku Ikoyo. Ikoyo.
1: Welcome to the best idea for podcast of all time. This is Champs in the Making.
0: Where we have made a bracket of every Pokemon that has ever existed
1: and are putting them up in battles head to head. One on ones to scientifically find out the best Pokemon. Every two weeks we gather up an assortment of hosts from the Orange Grows And cut a bloody path through the Pokedex. Come listen to me defend the rights of Crustacean-based Pokemon. Olga is a perfect little baby and I will not stand for anything else. is the best fucking Pokemon because he looks like Robin Hood. Shout some about why your favorite Pokemon is the best. Put them forward and insult Ambipom every two weeks, only on the Orange Groves. Uh,
0: Poochina is the best and my friends already knocked my Diana out, which I'm sad about. So now we're truly just living on the edge. Hey, Raven. What's up, Fantast? Do you like
1: anime? I sure do. Do you have a limited mal time in your schedule due to demands of capitalism? Unfortunately, yes.
0: Well, I have the show for you. It's called Weebkin Warriors. Oh, yeah. It's that podcast where you and I come together every Thursday and talk about anime that are 24 episodes or less. That's right. And you can find us on the Orange Groves Podcast Network or your podcatcher of choice. Have, Have a, a good, good weekend.
1: weekend.